0: Um, My name is Jeff Kerr. I am uh, the pastor here along with my wife, Christy. She is not here today. She has not been feeling well. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because anytime someone's not feeling well, you feel like the alarm bells are going off and it's like, do we have to cancel life? And actually, we had um, a worship night scheduled for Friday night and we had to postpone that. Um, And I'll fill you in a little bit. Since Christy's not here, I can get long-winded and say whatever I want today. She's probably watching online. Hello to all of you watching online. I'm sure there's multitudes of you this morning. we, uh, Christy last week was just not feeling well. Monday, she wasn't feeling well. And I, like I said, whenever you're not feeling well, we used to just be able to get sick and it was no big deal, but now it's just like, what do we have to cancel? And so we, you know, waited it out and, uh, Wednesday she went in for a COVID test cause her doctor said it's probably a good idea. So that's when we decided, okay, well, we can't have a worship night if we, if we got COVID running through the church. I know some of you are saying, where's your faith? But I'm just like, you know, let's, let's be smart about it. Um, so we, we postponed that, and then we were like, well, what do we do? But yesterday morning, she got the test results. It was negative. No COVID in the Kerr house. So we we're like, great. But she's still, uh, she's still laying low today. Um, but we did have to postpone our worship night for Friday, this past Friday night. So we want to reschedule that. It'll be sometime in October. Um, We just want to provide an opportunity for our church to come together like we were doing this morning, just sing some songs, but we know there's power in times where we just take a little extended time where we're not uh, on a schedule for a Sunday morning service. We can spend some time as groups and individuals just praying for our nation, praying for our community, our families. Um, There's a lot going on in our world today, so we want to first and foremost be a church of worship and prayer, recognizing our hope and our strength is in Jesus Christ, amen, and we want to uh, just follow him and make sure we are listening to his voice in this difficult season that we are in. Um, So that was the update on that, but we are glad that you're with us today. And just so you know, if slash when we do have some people get sick, if any of the leaders get sick uh, with COVID this season, we are planning to just err on the side of caution, um, which is a good thing, right? Uh, Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Online. Amen. Amen. So that's why some of you are online. You're airing on the side of caution. We totally get that. We look forward to the day where you can all join us again. Um, but we're going to err on the side of caution. So if that were the case, just to be on the safe side, we would probably go to an online service for a couple of weeks just to make sure we don't have uh, an outbreak and we don't make it on the news for all the wrong reasons. Uh, ulti- I've said this before. Ultimately, what guides our decisions is how we are viewed in our community by those whom yet we have not reached, those whom we have not reached yet. That's probably not the right way to say that. We just want to make sure that we don't come across as cavalier and like, oh, we don't care about this, so that's why we're going to err on the side of caution, because there are people in our community that we want to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, enough about that. Yes, thank you. All right, we are... If you're new here, and I see some new faces, welcome. We have a 9.30 and an 11 a.m. service. Um, We have... Just to let you know, we're a community of people that we have a couple of goals as a church. If you're new here, we're going to give you a little insight into who we are as a church at Homestead Church. We've been a church for five years, and here's some of the things that we are like foundational about. We want people to feel welcome at church, okay, it's a difficult season when you can't shake hands and hugs and it's like scared and you got masks and everything. It's a little different this time of year, this year, but we want people to feel welcome, and that means all people. So I know in some churches people walk in and they're like, oh, this looks like all the religious people, I don't feel comfortable here, I don't feel welcome here. We want all people to come in here and sense a community of people that welcomes all people. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is we want people to find Jesus. Yeah, we're warming up, we're warming up today, that's good. We want people to find Jesus. We're gonna point people to Jesus. I don't have all the answers. Nobody in here has all the answers. We look to the word of God and we follow Jesus and everybody from all backgrounds and all walks of life, we just say, hey, you're welcome here, we want you to find Jesus, we wanna point you to Jesus. And the third thing is we want to grow. We wanna grow into mature believers. We don't wanna just stay young baby Christians. So wherever you are on that little timeline of what I just described, maybe you're just checking out church today. Maybe you're just watching online because you've heard about this church and you don't even know if you wanna go to church. Maybe you're here today because somebody said, if you wanna come over to watch the Vikings at our house, you have to come with us to church and you're dragged here today. I get it, we want you to feel welcome. But if you're there, that's great. We're glad that you're here. You can check it out as long as you want. Maybe you've just made a decision or are about to make a decision to follow Jesus, that's awesome. Or maybe you're a believer and you've been a believer for a long time. Wherever you're at, we want you to grow. We want to continue to grow. The goal is to keep growing, to never stop pursuing Jesus, growing in our faith. It's uh, it's back to school last couple of weeks, and we were having some moments, Christy and I, over the last few weeks, we were remembering, well, first of all, we had to send our son, Charlie, to school. Um, he's a quieter kid, so it was like, drinking from the fire hose for that kid. He's very content to just hang out in his room in the basement and not talk to anybody, and all of a sudden, he's moving into the dorms, and everyone's wearing masks, and it's like the cafeteria was under construction. He's got all these classes, and we it was basically, if you know this as a parent, there's moments where it's just like, okay, it's time for you to take a step and grow. We're not going to be here to solve all your problems for you. We were having a flashback to uh, when Lucy, our oldest, went to kindergarten many years ago, because um, I think You know, there's been a few families in the church that it was like the first day of kindergarten and you're sending your kid into kindergarten. And this day, this year particularly, you can't walk in with them. You just have to send them in. I remember when Lucy walked in as a kindergartner. She was feeling pretty optimistic about it. But Christy and I were a wreck. Have you been there? It's like that first time. They're not ready for this. I remember, <laughs> I remember Christy, since she's not here today, I remember her walking out when it was like parent orientation, when we were about to send a kid to kindergarten, her, her view was, as, a, as any overly concerned parent was, I don't think they know what they're doing in that school, we can't send it, like, there was just that panic moment, and then we see them walk in, and that backpack's as big as they are, and they're wandering in, and everything, especially if you have a kid who was a little more nervous, and there was maybe some tears, and everything in you in those moments, whether they're just starting kindergarten or just starting junior high or high school, or you're sending them off to college, everything in you as a parent is wanting to step in and be like, it's okay, you don't have to do this. We'll do this another day. Just come home where you're safe, right? Maybe, or maybe some of you are like, go, you know, we're glad that you're finally leaving for a day. But everything in you as a parent, there were times where you wanted to step in and take away everything that was hard. Everything that they were nervous of, just keep them home and keep them safe. However, hopefully, better judgment kicked in, right? And you let them go to kindergarten or you let them go to college. Because more than being comfortable, more than avoiding hurt or sadness, what do we want for our kids? What do we want for our kids? We want them to grow. We want them to mature, right? We want them to mature so they can become adults one day you know, somewhat highly functioning adults in our world and be able to handle this world. We need mature people growing up. That's what we want as parents. And as much as there's a temptation at times to say, oh, that's okay, just stay here. Oh, just stay here, stay here where it's safe. Ultimately, better judgment kicks in because we want them to mature and grow. We want them to outgrow different stages. You remember the stages, maybe you're in one of these now with one of your kids, where anytime they didn't get their own way, it's a big tantrum. It's the end of the world. I'm never I'm never coming out of my room. I, we've had a few moments with our kids where it's a big, dramatic display, they march upstairs. I'm going up to, I have never been treated so poorly. You know, and I'm never coming out of my room. Those tantrums when they don't get their own way. Or maybe there's a phase where they're a picky eater or they're fussy, or they just are all about me, or everything's a no, no, I don't wanna do that. You know those phases, right? Some of you have teenagers, you're still trying to get them to outgrow that phase. But when you see them grow, we want them to outgrow those phases. We see them mature and we are joyful and relieved a little bit, right, as parents. Well, here's what we're talking about today as we kick off a series on spiritual maturity. It's the same thing with our spiritual lives. There are stages of immature faith That we are meant to outgrow, similar to a young person. There are stages of our faith, maybe stages of our faith where we think it's all about us, or when God doesn't do what we want, we throw a big tantrum. There's stages of our faith where we are picky eaters as far as what's going on at church, and we are meant to outgrow those. Some people get stuck in like a spiritual adolescence, For a long time, and it's time to mature and outgrow those. That's what we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks is ways that we can grow to be mature people of faith. So today to kick it off, I want to talk about one of the foundations of our church, and it's one of the goals that I mentioned. We want people to feel welcome we are a community. In fact, community is one of the things in our name. We are very strategic about calling us Homestead Community Church, not because we're in a community, because we are a community. We do this together. We do this together. We're a community. And specifically this fall, and I know it's going to be complicated with COVID, we want to start some small groups. We want to get more intentional about smaller groups of people gathering together to grow in our faith, to be a community. Because deeper relationships with one another, and some of you have been around church a long time and you know this and some of you have not yet experienced this. When you gather in a smaller group and form those deeper connections, when you have a close friend, when you have people that you can rely on, that you trust, that you're open and honest with, when you have those relationships, that is a vital part to becoming a mature believer. This is a vital thing, this is a core thing. That's a way we become spiritually mature. Faith was never, faith was never intended to be an alone thing, an on-our-own thing, just a me and you, God. I'm just going to read my Bible and pray. That's good. Those are good things. It was intended to be a community where together we grow, we help each other grow. This was never intended to be an individual thing. This was meant to be walked out in community. All right, how are we doing so far? We're good? All right. There's a churchy word that describes this. Think about, like, churchy words that you hear. Maybe you grew up in church. There's a churchy word that describes this kind of relationship and being together. Anyone think of what it is? Boom, fellowship. Everyone heard that word, fellowship. When you hear fellowship, what do you think? I always think of just growing up and the old people in the church would say, oh, we're going to have some fellowship. And what did that mean? It just meant we were going to be together and hang out. Usually meant there was, like, a, everyone brought a dish of some sort in the fellowship hall. And they were all like this weird bean. Someone made a bean casserole of some sort. And I remember thinking, I don't, know where, I don't know where this bean casserole has been. I think potluck dinners are kind of a thing of the past, especially during COVID. I think that's okay. Because I would look at that and be like, I don't know what this, the status of that kitchen was. Were there cats? Were there cats wandering the counters? Like, this is what I think of. I'm like, I might stay away from that bean casserole. That's what I think of in the fellowship hall. Fellowship. Fellowship hall, bean casserole. That's what I get. When I think fellowship, I think of cats and bean casserole. Sorry, that was my baggage, all right? But we're going to talk about that word fellowship today because there's a way deeper meaning to that word. I'm going to start. We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible today, you can follow along. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. For the most part, we're going to jump to Philippians for a little bit. but Acts chapter 2, verse 42. A couple years ago, we memorized this passage of Scripture, so I'm sure you all have it still memorized. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, and this is talking about the disciples right after Jesus ascended to heaven. This is when they were gathered together. The Holy Spirit has come, and they are starting the church. So this is what it says in Acts 2, 42. They, talking about the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to Fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We're going to stop there for a second. So there's that word fellowship. Now, the New Testament originally was written in the Greek language for the most part. Well, that word fellowship comes from a Greek word, and we're going to throw it up there. The Greek word is koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. And that is the word that translated to fellowship. Now, if you're just thinking fellowship was, well, look at they gathered together, they listened to the teaching, and then they were together, and that's the fellowship, right? Oh, we just fellowshipped together, and then the breaking of bread into prayer. It's a much deeper meaning than that. When you look up the Greek word koinonia, I was doing a little studying on that this week, it really means like a joint participation, like koinonia means partnering together or a group of people working together for a common goal, a common cause. Really it's like being a team together. If you've been watching any basketball or hockey playoffs, it's we're a team together and we're accomplishing a goal together. We are we have common interests. We are associated with one another. All of these things Go into that word koinonia. Go into that idea of fellowship. Okay, so I've u- I looked up some of the other times in the New Testament where that word koinonia was used, and it was used several different times, in several different ways. So we're gonna do a little test today. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read a scripture, and your goal is to look at that word, look at the scripture, and figure out what word comes from the koinonia in comes from koinonia in that verse. Okay. You didn't know there was going to be tests today, but it's school season. We're going to keep you sharp. Michael, we're going to keep you sharp today. Ready for school this week. Yes, he's excited about that. All right, so Philippians 1 verse 5, put that one up there, says this, and this is the Apostle Paul talking to a group of Christians. In all my prayers for you, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So what do you think the koinonia word in there is? Just think, You don't have to say it out, but what word do you think it is? Okay, go to the next slide. It is partnership, okay? So Paul is talking specifically about... Anyone get that right? All right, who's one for one? Awesome. I know you're, some of you are making it up. I used to do that in school. Perfect score, honest. Um, so Paul is specifically talking to people who have partnered with him financially, who have given to support his ministry. He's thanking those who have financially partnered with him. So I love this because we just had a moment where we take an offering. Giving it an offering, supporting a church or a local ministry or a missionary, is not just, oh, I'll just give them something. It's not a token thing. You are partnering, right? When you put your resources, if there's a missionary that you support, we support missionaries personally as the Kerr family and also as a church, we're partners with them. We are investing in them. When you support Homestead Church, it's not just obligatory, I'll check this off the list. It's you're par- you're now a partner. I thank you for partnering. This is what Paul is saying. That fellowship, we are in this together. We are working together for a common co- common goal, and that is to reach this community. All right, the next one, Philippians 2, 1 through 2. Throw that one up there. Therefore, and we're going to look for the koinonia word. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. This one's a little more tricky. One of those words, or one of those phrases translated from koinonia. Which one was it? Throw it up there. And the winner is common sharing. Who had common sharing? Oh, we're down now. See, thanks for being honest. Okay, we're this is good. We're, maybe we'll have a winner today. Okay, that word common sharing in the Spirit. Look at other translation says, this is Paul again in Philippians. Some other translations say the fellowship, if you have any fellowship in the Spirit. So that's that idea, common sharing in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It means this, we are like-minded. If you're followers of Jesus, If you have the Holy Spirit in you, which followers of Jesus do, we are like-minded. We have the same Spirit. We have the same God. We have the same Jesus that we are following. It's the same focus. We have that common fellowship because we have that same joint participation, that same work that we are a part of. That is another way that fellowship is used in the New Testament. All right, this is the next one. This is the final round, the bonus round. Okay, throw that up there. Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This one's kind of easy, all right? So show the next one. Participation in his suffering. Yes, we get that one? All right, who got all three right? You get a free, man, the Montgomery family's solid. Get a free sucker at the end of the service for a prize. The fellowship of his sufferings, another translation would say, we share in the fellowship of of his sufferings. What Paul is saying, and Paul was spent many times in prison writing to these groups of believers, he suffered for the faith. And when we suffer for our faith, we share that suffering with each other. We share with each other and believers around the world that are also suffering for their faith. There's like a camaraderie that comes. Have you ever been through something really difficult with somebody? Maybe a trip that, maybe there's an adventure, something good or bad. You were with somebody and there was a big significant moment you kind of have that deeper camaraderie, right? You experienced something together. You'll always kind of have that connection with that person. That's what Paul is talking about here. When we face difficult seasons, when we face suffering for our faith, we have that camaraderie together. We're always gonna remember what it was like being a church going through COVID 2020, right? We went through it together. More significantly, people around the world who are suffering for their faith, who are gathered in small, quiet gatherings so the government doesn't find them, they have that camaraderie. And more than that, they recognize they're sharing in the sufferings that Jesus suffered. There's that fellowship of his sufferings, the camaraderie that you feel. So these are different ways that we talk about that word fellowship. And finally, this one, throw up John first uh, John chapter one. This one's easy because I've already highlighted it because it says fellowship. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, Jesus, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship, with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. Fellowship with him means fellowship with others. It's not just this. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's not just this in your faith. It's walking out in fellowship, in relationship, in camaraderie with one another, a common purpose to participate together. This shows how our relationship with God is not just this, but this. It's fellowship. So it's way more than being casseroles and fellowship halls, okay? This is the idea of fellowship. Everyone got it so far? Some of you are like, yes, the point was made five minutes ago. Let's move on. So with that in mind, I want to reread those verses from Acts Acts chapter 2, where it talks about they had fellowship with one another. I'm going to keep reading. Now, this is a beautiful description of what it means to be in fellowship, in koinonia with one another. This is the goal for us as a community of people. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, I'm going to read to 47. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now notice how fellowship is not just one thing, but fellowship is all of these things together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They had a shared purpose. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were invested financially. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There is something so powerful when there is a community of people in fellowship, in like-minded love for Jesus and love for one another, where we are sharing resources, where we are serving one another, where we're joyfully lifting up our voices in praise. I love that it says that God added to their number daily just because they were being a community of people. Right, this was not about an event, this was not about some sort of great marketing strategy. I think there's most power in when a community of people like this is just loving one another and loving others. That is when God is gonna use that and shine the light to the hurting world that we are in. That's when people in Farmington in this South Metro area are gonna notice and say, look at that, they're not gonna know what koinonia is and they're gonna think fellowship is just bean casseroles but they're gonna say, I like what they have there. Look at what is happening there they love one another they're not divided they love the community no matter who walks into that church they love them and they welcome them this is koinonia this is why well, i love that picture in the in the first century church the early church koinonia fellowship and so specifically talking about small groups as we want to get those started this fall when we gather in a small group 8 to 10 people in a house or at a restaurant or doing something fun We have opportunities for this fellowship, this koinonia, to share with each other, to support one another, to partner together, to participate together in a common goal, to remember that we are in this together. There's times where we walk through life and walk through faith where we can start to feel like we are on an island, especially this time time of our lives, 2020 just feels like everyone's feeling a little isolated. It's hard to connect. It shows the, the need that we have to connect with people, right? Maybe different people than you've been quarantined with for five months. Maybe we'll fellowship with other people soon. There is something that when we gather together that just is a significant thing, that relationship that is built, that support for one another, to help you feel like you are in this with other people. And as we're talking about spiritual maturity... Growing in our faith, well, spiritual maturity comes when we embrace fellowship, when we embrace that as being vital to our faith, as something that is needed, not just something to check off the list, but that accountability, that encouragement, that love for one another, that growth is vital, and it happens most effectively in a small group. We're not a huge church, but we're all sitting in rows and we're all looking at a stage and we're all kind of nodding along and we're waiting to go home to watch the football game. There's something way more significant that happens when we get out of the rows and we gather in a circle where we can look people in the eye and we can say, how are you doing? Let's be honest with each other. Let's be open. How can I serve you? How can I help you? What do you need? Let's encourage one another. Don't give up. I know this is hard. I know you're going through a tough time now. Let me help you through this. When we gather in a group where you have people that you know and you love and you trust, that you know that they're on the same team with you, that's where maturity comes. And so we as believers, we have to recognize that's a way to get spiritually mature to embrace that fellowship, to embrace those small groups that foster that open, honest, authentic relationship. Now, here's a key thing. Here's a key thing. When you think of spiritual maturity, what do you think of? Think about spiritual maturity. Who do you think of? For a lot of people, who are you thinking of someone who's spiritually mature? Some of you are thinking, that's me. Like, you're thinking of yourself. I'm the most spiritually mature person I know. Stephen's thinking that. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) When you think of spiritual maturity, what do you think of? Too often we think of those who are spiritually mature as those who are the very proper, well-behaved, churchy types, right? And you can tell they're spiritually mature because they start talking with a weird accent when they talk about spiritual things, and they call everyone brother and sister and blessings, right? We talk a little weird. We get a little stuffy. We're very well-behaved. We dress right for church, and we start talking with churchy language, and we all know what churchy language is. It's fellowship, right? (laughs) It's, we talk about hedges of protection and traveling mercies and people are like, what does that mean? Should the Lord tarry? Anytime you, have you ever hear, heard that, right? That was when me growing up. Anytime someone made a plan, we should get together next week. The spiritually mature people would say, well, should the Lord tarry? Which means if Jesus doesn't come back, then all ready to be, be ready to go to caribou. It's, that's the spiritually mature people. It's hedges of protection and traveling mercies and the Lord tarrying. But that's a different, that's not really spiritually mature, right? That's trying to put on a front of being all together and being spiritual. And they pray in a different accent, and you can always tell that, right? That's not spiritually mature. What is spiritual maturity? A mature church is a church that pushes away that notion that we have to be all glossy and perfect. A mature church recognizes we don't have to have our act together. We're actually comfortable in this group of people because we're pursuing Jesus, and we can be open and honest. We don't have to talk about hedges of protection. We can talk like normal people. We don't have to pray with weird accents. We can pray like normal people. We don't have to put on this image that we have it all together. That's the worst thing we could be as a church is this idea that we got to walk in and pretend like we got it all together, that nothing's wrong, right? Right? we got to be a church that is open and honest. We don't have to keep up an image. And the only way, the only way people will open up about what's really going on, especially in a small group setting, is if we have fostered this koinonia, this fellowship, this trust, this we are in this together. We are in this fellowship together. Fellowship is not judgment. It is not condemnation it's not a religious spirit of like, we're the behavior police where we say, "Well, you can't do that," and you messed up." No. This is a fellowship is a calling people up. This is, a fe- this is the idea of fellowship is, um, I was watching a basketball game the other day, and when one team member falls onto the floor, what happens? The other team members go around, they give him a hand, and they pull him up, let's go. It's their way of saying, I got you, let's get up. At no point, it would be ridiculous if at, somebody, at some point some basketball player fell down and the rest of the team were like, oh, he fell down again, <laughs> You know what is with him? We're gonna have to do this without him, right? Why don't you go sit on the bed? No, it's we're a team, we do this together, Here's a hand, let's get up. I love that image in my mind as I was watching that sporting event, thinking about fellowship and koinonia. When somebody trips up in their faith, when somebody makes a mistake, when somebody messes up, it's not a, oh, there they go again. We gotta do this without them. We gotta let them know that they have messed up. It's a call up, let's go, get up, let's keep moving, right? We got that? This is a call up, get up, we're on the same team. We do this together. My spiritual growth means making sure that you are spiritually growing as well, making sure that we are koinonia, fellowship, doing this together. It's a sign of maturity when you respond that way when somebody messes up. When somebody messes up in their faith, how do you respond? That's a good indicator of your spiritual maturity. Now, a religious spirit or a spiritual immaturity, like I've already described, would say you've messed up. We can no longer accept you, or I at least must have you pay some sort of a relational price to let you know that I know that you've messed up. That's a religious spirit. That's a judgment. And you push people away. It kind of has that mentality of, well, Christians shouldn't do that. Christians don't do that. Therefore, we have to let you know that you've messed up. That's not spiritual maturity. That's not of fellowship. A mature church fellowship is get back up. Let's go. We're in this together. Amen? Let's get back up. Let's go. We're going to point people to Jesus. We're following Jesus together. No matter how many times you've tripped up, it's a hand up. Let's go. Get up. We're going to keep going. I'm not going without you. This is fellowship. This is a community. We do this together. We bear the responsibility for others' growth as well as our own. It's a call up. It's never a push down it's not a list of behaviors and a checklist to say well i can't be with you anymore because you don't have enough boxes checked it's a let's follow jesus together let's grow together let's be in fellowship together so as a church we got to protect this i think we've done a pretty good job as a church of being a community where people sense that hopefully and if you haven't sensed that or you've sensed the opposite i apologize because that is not who jesus is and that's who not we want that's not who we want to be we want to be a let's go Let's do this together. Yeah, you tripped up. Let's go. Let's keep moving forward. Jesus is full of mercy. When people that turn to him, Jesus is full of mercy. Yeah. Well, why shouldn't we be full of mercy? As a church, we must protect this. We don't want a religious spirit of judgment. We want fellowship. A religious spirit's going to tear a church apart. And the last thing we want in a church is for anybody to come in here thinking, well, I got I to let nobody know what's going on in my life. I can't let anybody know or else they're going to judge me. Man, that's not the church, right? That's not the church. And when you think about that idea of being judged, maybe you've, maybe you've felt that. When has that ever led to good fruit? When has that ever led to good results where someone was shamed into performing well or behaving well, right? It doesn't lead to good things. Call people up, point people to Jesus. A spiritually mature church, a spiritually mature follower of Jesus is united together with a common goal. They are supportive, they are honest, they are open, and they move forward pursuing Jesus with everything they have, and they bring others along with them. That's who we wanna be. So let's move towards this. So specifically, we got a few minutes left. Specifically, I just wanna talk about small groups for a little bit. And I know the big disclaimer is, yeah, we can't really gather and we're nervous about going into other people's houses because of COVID. I get it. So it's going to be complicated for the next season. But I at least want to get things started. We have to have these, this mechanism in place for us to gather as smaller groups. And I know, I've, I've always had baggage with small groups because I think of sitting awkwardly in a room full of people and someone reading a devotional. and, Okay, Terry, what do you think about what Paul is saying? Well, I guess uh, we're supposed to love Jesus. That's good, Terry. <laughs> Beth, how about, yeah, and it's just like, get me out of here, right? Have you ever been there? Like, oh, then someone say, I think we should sing some songs of worship as six people, and you're like, no, get me out of here. I just wanna do something fun with people, right? I want small groups, first and foremost, to just be a place that you wanna be. People that you wanna be around, for the most part, there might be some weird ones in there. We'll talk more about that in a second, but it doesn't have to be this stuffy, oh, we don't have to work on our church accents in small groups. This is a group of people making new friendships, growing in the friendships we have so that we can be open. How are things going? Let's do something fun together, and in the midst of it, let's talk about life. I'm struggling with this kid and my family has got something going on. Let's pray about that. How can we help with that? Make sure that you have a relationship, that you can be open and honest. This is the best way for people to come to a church and be involved in a church, especially as a church grows, where there's a support system, where people aren't falling through the cracks. I can't keep up with everybody as the church grows. But if you're connected in a group of people, you're going to have a support system that can recognize when things are going on. Hey, I noticed you haven't been around church. What's going on? Hey, I noticed you've been feeling down lately. What's been going on? And you can be open and honest with one another. This is, this is what we want to start with, a small group. So it could be six, eight, ten people. We don't want to get much more than that because then it's not really a small group. Where you have people that you can be in a relationship with. It can be a Bible study. It can be a dinner. It can be something spiritual, something social, something fun. It's all spiritual because we are fellowshipping together, right? There's no bean casseroles. It's just fellowship. It can be a spiritual thing no matter what we are doing. So we need people to host and we need people to lead a small group. So I want you to be thinking about that. And There's going to be a way for you to to, uh, fill out a form in just a minute. That you can express your interest, whether you want to attend, whether you want to host, whether you want to lead, whether you want it to be Bible study or prayer or a devotional or just spiritual or not spiritual or fun, social, whatever it is. And we're going to start them in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to go to Thanksgiving because the other thing that people get nervous of with a small group is once I get into that group, I'm going to be tied to them forever. And what if I don't like them? I'm never going to be able to leave them, right? We're going to wrap it up before Thanksgiving and we'll start it again in the new year. It's going to be great okay i know that some of them might need to be virtual groups over a zoom meeting and i am tired of zoom meetings but we recognize some people are still going to want to stay isolated but there is still a need if you're watching online to connect with other people and here's the thing it's going to be an open invite if you lead a group it's going to be an open invite we want to have you invite some friends to join your group we get that that's a big part of it but we don't want it to be just your already group of friends. We want there to be open spots for people who have a harder time connecting at church. In any church, this room is no different. There are people who it's so easy for them to connect Right? My wife is one of those people. She walks in and everybody loves Christy and she connects just like that. Some of you are like that. Others of you are a little more introverted and you have a harder time connecting and you think, nobody talked to me at church because you were hiding behind like the post on the corner and you're like, this church is very hard to connect. It's just harder for people. We want groups to be open to those who have a harder time connecting. There are... Leave some spots open for maybe some of the people in the church who might be a little bit weirder than you. That's fine. Every church has some weird people, okay? Right now, you're thinking about in the church, you're thinking, okay, who are the weird people at Homestead? Right. If you can't think of anybody who's weird, I got bad news. That means you're the weird person, okay? (laughs) It's you. I want us to be mindful of that, to leave some open spots for those who are not in your friend group. Because a spiritually mature believer and a spiritually mature church is not clicky. It's not just, oh, here's the people I like, so I'm just going to hang out with them. It's let's grow. Let's help other people grow. Let's help those who have a harder time connecting to be able to connect. A mature church has groups that are open to those who have a harder time or who are a little odd. Spiritual maturity is when you switch from focusing on just what you would prefer to what will help bless others and serve others. I want you to imagine it's back to school time. And I, you know, I was talking to Dottie, our middle schooler, and she was like, it's kind of like prison in school. And, and she was describing it like, it really is. She's like, you don't really talk to anybody. You have to stay away you're all wearing masks. It's quiet and everyone's just kind of walking around. And especially in the cafeteria, it's like you sit at opposite ends of the table and everyone just quietly eats. I'm like, that sounds terrible. Um, although it sounds a lot like my high school experience, just eating lunch quietly by myself. Um, I, I was meant for COVID. Um, Imagine non-COVID and imagine you were in a school and you're watching your child, elementary, middle school, high school, however old. Picture this, okay? You're in the cafeteria. They don't see you, but you see your child. They have their lunch and they're walking up and finding a table to eat at. And they see one table and it's got all their friends and the cool kids and and the friends are like, hey, come over and sit with us. And then your child sees another table of maybe some kids that don't have a lot of friends that have a harder time connecting, that might be a little bit of the weirder kids. And as a parent, you're watching this, and your kid decides to forego the easy table with all their friends and to go sit at this table with some kids that could use a friend. As a parent, what are you feeling? You're beaming with pride. You love that. You love that because, why? Because you look at your kid and you're like, man, they get it. They're growing up they're maturing. They're not just thinking about what's easy for them. They're looking for ways to be a blessing to others. We get that when we're if we were watching our kid in that hypothetical situation, we get that. We understand that. You would burst with pride because they are maturing. Well, it's the same thing with us in faith and church. Small groups is not just looking for a group of people that you would most enjoy being with and we want them to be fun but also including others to bless them, to encourage them, to serve them, to the people who would have a harder time connecting in a church, to include them so that you can bring them into your group. If we're looking back at those verses in Philippians when we were doing our quiz, Philippians 2, right after Paul talks about fellowship of the Spirit, how that's camaraderie with each other and how that makes us like-minded, the same love and the same Spirit, the very next verse he follows that up with, So, because of that fellowship with the Spirit, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't be selfish. This is in Philippians chapter 2. Don't be selfish. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition, but rather be humble and consider others more important than yourself. This is spiritual maturity. When we get away from what would suit us and we look at what would bless others, looking out for others' interests, this is a mature church, amen? So, let's do that, okay? Let's do that. So let's throw that slide up there. We've got this small group. So we've got another one of these fancy QR codes. So here's what you got to do. Take out your camera app and just hold it up there. If you want information, we would love to just have you fill out some information on small groups. I'm encouraging you. This needs to be part of a mature church, a life-giving church. So we're going to leave that up there. Now, this is going to be a spot for you to say you'd be willing to lead or you'd be willing to host or what kind of groups you'd be interested in at home. Can we put this, is this on the screen for the, for the viewing audience at home? You can scan it on your interweb machine. And it will do the same thing because some of you are going to say, for now, I would prefer just a virtual group, maybe a FaceTime or a Zoom call or, or just a, you know, a, a Bible study app that we can just read on our own and then just comment, you know, a comment page, stuff like that. We recognize that. That's totally fine. But this is going to depend on people who are willing to lead, people who are willing to host. Again, it's not a lifelong commitment. It's between now and it can be once a week. It could be a couple of times a month. It could just be, hey, over the next three months, we're going to plan three social activities where the small group of people, we can get to know each other better, spend some time supporting one another. Again, we are not consumers. A spiritually mature church is not a church of consumers. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this? It's participants. It's those who can bring other people along watching at home, join us. We'd love to have you join a small group. Bring people along. A hand up. We're following Jesus. We're doing this together. Amen? So I know some of you are going to be filling those out now, and you can certainly wait a few minutes after service and keep, stay here and fill that out. We're going to leave that up there for the rest of the time here, but I just wanted to close us in prayer. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are the model of this, that you always looked for those who were on the outside The religious insiders were the ones that you kind of were just tired of, but you looked for those who were on the outside, those who needed a hand, those who needed to be brought into a saving relationship with you. And it was always through truth and grace and mercy. And we thank you that you modeled that. We want to follow you in that. We want to be a mature church. So over the next few weeks, help us to grow, to get out, out of some of these spiritual adolescent seasons that we have been stuck in, to grow into mature believers, to follow you and to bring others along with us. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you that you are moving in our midst. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Homestead. If you want to fill that out, that'd be great. I'd love to have you meet some people. I'd love to meet you if you're new. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.